Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Universities Academy podcast. Uh, I am your host, John Jennings. With me, as always, behind the scenes, we have Ryan Craft producing. On screen, we have my co-host, Mr. Matt Childress, and we also have a very special guest host with us, Mr. Tim Freebly. Hi, Tim. Tim? How's it going, going? man? Uh, It's going good. It's been always busy around here, but, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. know, it's going pretty well. Nice. We appreciate it. Uh, Guys, if you don't know... Uh, Tim works for Jasco, and Tim, uh, tell the viewers what what is your job? What, what do you do? Well, these days I lead the uh, uh, design and development team. So what that means is, uh, based off of what we want to do for a set, we'll t- uh, concept out um, the story, the parts of the story that we want to do. Uh, then we'll kind of like choose the moments or whatnot and then we turn those awesome moments into the cards that you guys get to play nice oh that's really cool so like so you guys actually intentionally like because we've talked on the show before about how it feels really thematically accurate or represents this character's quirk or things like that and like especially with set one like how it felt like you're playing the game so you guys actually intentionally um are choosing like you're saying like key story moments you're like this moment really needs to resonate like this card needs to capture this excitement or whatever it may be we definitely try to do that as much as possible. Um, it's really cool. Uh, we we love mechanics, and we, but I try to uh, do a good mix of top down versus bottom up uh, design. So for me, um, the one thing we know is that fans of pro- uh, big properties like My Hero Academia are, you know, they're very passionate and they really, really like things to be accurate. And so capturing that feel of each character, um, how they should play, uh, what that moment really kind of means is very important to me and the rest of the team when it comes to designing the cards. Nice. I'm glad to hear that you guys have that like intentional design and that thoughtfulness behind it. Um, And and also, guys, if you're listening and you're wondering why your favorite character sucks, Tim told me before we started, it's because he hates you specifically and he doesn't want you to have fun in life. That's 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 what he said. It's he was saying beforehand. Mm. Yep. Specifically you, you, no one but you. Yeah, no one but you. Yes. Um, He wants you to have no fun ever. That's really cool from a design standpoint, though, uh, to try to capture those moments. Because you're right. Like, I'm a huge fan of the series. And there are moments that I'm like, oh, man, that was really hype. You know, like, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would say mission accomplished so far, man, because um, as anyone who listens, you know, I always geek out over the art. Like mm-hmm. it's just a throwaway line that, oh, yeah, the art's great on this one. Um, <laughs> and Matt always loves the art. But even further, um, a lot of the characters and, and how they feel and how mm-hmm. they play um, does feel like you're actually that one. They're distinctly different from one another, but also that they uh, represent their character in the way that they are in the anime. So uh, keep up the good work there, man. I'm enjoying it. If I if I look closed off, sorry, I'm not, guys. I'm just going to try to get a little comfortable since I know we're going to be chatting for a little bit. So no, you're good. You're good. Um, on 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 that on Matt's point, like to th- uh, the themes, everything like that as well. I, I will say, props to it's uh, one card in set two that I think captures this almost better than any other card release, and it's Back Alley Haymaker. Like the picture is amazing, the art's amazing, like mm-hmm. the action is amazing. That card feels great to play. Like I never feel bad playing that card, right? And it's like it's so in tune with the episode, like that moment in the show when you're like, oh, my God, they're about to kill Ida. They're just going to kill yeah. him. And then out of nowhere, here comes Deku to save the day. Right. Like, it's so like it's your boy, oh, I love it. your boy yeah. shows up. And he's like, I got you, dog. I'm a hero, too. <laughs> yeah. Like that was like that's I, I I'm sure there's other stuff that that, is, that I'm overlooking. But that one like really sticks out in my mind. I can get on board with that. Yeah. I love all the things about that card as well. 
Mm. <laughs> um, well, uh, if you don't, if you guys don't know, there was a little bit of news today. Um, I uh, I waited to date the episode for a little bit, Matt. So you can't. I, appreciate I waited like I at least it. like five. You made minutes. it a solid like three to five minutes. Yeah, we got we got through a few topics before I dated yeah. the episode. Um, you're, you're but there was a little bit of news. Um, Asui has been on a little bit of a tear in these last few events. Uh, she just took down obviously the Gen Con RLE, and she won the provisional online provisional uh, this past weekend. And specifically, it's been the the life master of Asia, the life basically the fifty fifty railgun deck. Um, and today, uh, two cards were announced they were going to be banned, and a, well, a three cards were banned, um, but two, two specifically were related to Asui and that deck in Frog Lashing and Amphibious. Um, and Tim's going to talk with us about that. Uh, I guess, Tim, first, do you just want to share like your general thoughts about like why those two cards, we'll talk about Unwavering Slash after these two. Um, <gasps> Unwavering Slash, which, which, which was the third card? Spoilers. Ooh. The third card was Unwavering Slash. <laughs> Uh, but why those two cards specifically and like why why bands as opposed to trying errata or doing other things to them or so uh okay so we kind of explained that um some of the issues being the kind of cheating progressive Mm -hmm. um you know it's an outlier right uh Amphibious could have been a it could have been originally printed as a two difficulty and it still would have seen 4x play. It could have probably even also have been a four check and seen 4x mm-hmm. play, like a two a two diff four check. It's just what it does, especially when the gate to activating it is something that's a bonus payoff anyway. Um mm-hmm. now that said, there's still some times where we want to pay someone off for doing something they want to do. But because so much of the game is uh, relied upon progressive difficulty, it's a core pillar of the design and and fundamental gameplay. Um, Just something that over a round of turns could be three foundations. I mean, we have old cards from the, you know, previous design sets and whatnot, where that was a big no-no too, right? Mm. Um, so it's just about the amount of benefit that you get. Um, and I think that that really was a big part of what allowed, you know, seven, eight, potentially even nine attack strings um, uh, to occur so early in the game. And I think the most success that you saw with the deck was actually going off on turn three. Um, it could certainly steamroll, uh, you know, a rival on turn two. But, you know, I believe you look at um, Travis, the most decorated uh, player now with that deck, mm-hmm. uh, having gone, what was it, 12 and 0 or 13 and 0? Uh, 12 and 0, I believe. Yeah, the, eight, the, 8 and 0 through Swiss and then the, the four rounds. Yeah. Oh, this past yeah, yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. This past oh, weekend. Ryan with the RLE. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I yeah, I, I think. Um, I think his game plan was traditionally. Um, uh, go for turn three, uh, mm-hmm. build, 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 and, and go. Um, maybe even poking a little bit on turn two. But um, again, it's just what it's allowed to do with minimal resources. Um, and you look at frog lashing. Frog lashing is even better than potentially a three difficulty attack. Like a lot of people will say, they'll look at it and say, because I get to ready two, um, it can be a three difficulty attack, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I check a five. 
Uh, so I ha- I tap as if I'm a five, and then I ready to. But mm-hmm. if you if you really look at it, um, if you're playing it on say a six or something, and you have two committed already, uh, you know, or even just one committed, you check a a, a five, tap one. Now I'm ready to. So now I'm actually gaining. Mm-hmm. It's not even like offsetting the the cost that it has to uh, you know potentially have to commit some to play it but it can also gain you back extra so it's not just a a, a finisher or a dunk as we like to call them too you know mm-hmm. um it's it's an extender so it's a utility it's an extender it's a dunk uh the card does it all it's also great defense it's, just, it's yeah. like a plus one yeah. mid with breaker yeah so, yeah so you mentioned a term and, and i i think i know what you mean but i just want to clarify for the viewers you said amphibious could be like three foundations over a round of turns so what you're referring to is my turn then your turn if we were playing it could count basically because i could tap it potentially up to like three or four times depending on how i attack clear one ready it on my turn gives me your turn commit it for block then i can pitch my block if i'm also your other characters potentially as well is that what you're referring to there yeah that 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 was what i was uh talking about mm-hmm. okay yeah um and and that's what i was that's what i figured um but yeah like i i that that logic makes perfect sense to me like i mean that card is value town the card right mm-hmm. like yeah. it's it's the only time you're sad to see it is when you check it you know like yeah. that's the only time it's not doing something for you um yeah. and yeah. then it was still a five to your point like it could have been a two four and i think you really would have seen it still showing up in as a forex in a lot of decks oh. because um, yeah. they just need that gas like i mean that's it it, it really did and to your point about progressive difficulty like the the, the mass kind of built around like having no more than 10 foundations right and even further the character in the situation also um, or any character that can get it online is cheating progressive already, right? Like they're clearing a card. And now to your point about uh, frog lashing, they're going positive off of it. Like, Hey, I cleared a card that's minus one. And then I ready all these foundations that I committed to play those cards. So now I'm going up positive. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like another, like a uh, string, like a, uh, another ultra like strings attacks along like double jab pummel, it's kind of like, it, you would think they sim- like sort of work in a similar fashion at the same at some point because double jab pummel obviously lets you extend your turns by adding to your check, whereas frog lashing does does that, but it's like ten times better. And they're like both. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Frog lashing yeah. also buffs itself. <laughs> yeah. And... Oh, yeah. Oh, a one time <laughs> bonus to um, a one time bonus to playing your next card is mm-hmm. very different from gaining back resources yeah. that are important for either my turn or your turn. Mm-hmm. and i can i can sit on those resources and there's also new no prerequisite about whether or not they've already been readied well and, and that kind of leads me to what i was going to ask is so clearly these cards are gone they're banned at any point in time were um errata going to be considered as solutions so like for example maybe with amphibious changing it instead of it's just when a card leaves once per turn or, or, or whatever unique. or with um adding the text like john's pointing out of if it hasn't been readied to um, lashing like were those things considered or capping the damage on lashing if that was part of the problem i'm not certain but there, i mean we, we spent for clarity i i really want everyone to know we have been looking at these cards for a while it's not just hey you know enough people were finally complaining and, mm-hmm. and travis went 12 and 0 so we we gathered on monday to talk about it for the first time we've been discussing these cards um and you know we, we keep an eye on a number of cards uh, but we've been discussing these and potential action for quite some time. Um, I know for me, I'm personally not a big fan of power level errata. 
Mm-hmm. We do it when we have to, especially if printing constraints are an issue. Um, I also don't even necessarily personally uh, really love something like an MRP. We've done mm-hmm. that in the past as well. When it comes to errata, um, I'm not a huge fan of power level errata. I think clarifying errata where uh, you don't actually have to have the text, but the like errata is telling you like, hey, this is what we intended with the text. It was a little ambiguous. You kind of didn't get it before. Um, but with power level errata, you know, you see a card, you might forget that it's been changed mm-hmm. or something. You know, maybe you're playing a, uh, across the table from someone where you know they play a card that's been eroded uh, with a power level errata, and they forgot, and you forgot, so you can't even catch them and say, "Hey, no, no, no," or you know, maybe there's an added gate. And you don't think about it, and are like, oh, you shouldn't have been able to play this, uh, but you did, or you should have been able to do this because it's been eroded to do an extra thing. But you, it's just, again, the onus to a degree is on a player to know what their cards do. But it's just, and then if you have multiple, like, if you like errata a card and then print a new version of it with the new text, mm-hmm. um, there's a dissonance. Uh, the cards aren't the same. Um, so it's, hey, what if someone has one of each copy in their deck? And now, like, that's a mind game, and it's yeah. just kind of it's a big... real one. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, c- c- and, kind of a big a big mess. And yeah. I think I'm a little bit more in favor of um, if we're going... If we, if we like a card, but it's just too much, mm-hmm. um, maybe we can ban this one, do a spiritual successor to that card, um, like I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but mm-hmm. if if in in, in like high end fantasy land, let's say yeah, yeah. we really like the idea of a finishing type move instead of like frog lashing, maybe it'd be swimming frog. Oh, <laughs> so it's, it's not quite swimming bird, but it's not quite frog lashing either. It's somewhere in between. Yeah, so again, okay, okay. this is totally I. I Hypothetically speaking. Yeah, don't don't read anything into this at all. Yeah, no. I I would just rather do a new card with similar abilities that's a spiritual successor Mm -hmm. um, rather than ban and and MRP um, Mm -hmm. or most recent printing Mm -hmm. uh, a card just just because, again, you have that issue. It's the same reason why we don't ever errata stats on a card because, like, changing... Oh, my God changing the difficulty Ooh. or in numbers that is like the instinctual thing like i here i have some cards like mm-hmm. if we took if oh this is if we took like <laughs> and said hey we errated this this is now a four difficulty but you have to play with it with, with the printed five mm-hmm. good luck yeah, yeah that sounds terrible and yeah. like i i don't I, w- I would give most people the benefit of the doubt that they are not going to try to maybe put in different copies of it to try to intentionally trip up people. But it definitely opens the door for that type of play for people who are, uh, we'll call them angle shooters, uh, trying to get every possible advantage they can get, right? And that, that's just, that's a, it, it feels kind of icky. And that's the other problem uh, is like, we don't assume everyone's going to mm-hmm. want to angle shoot. Yeah. But like, but but people will. People are gonna. Some, no, someone's people. gonna. <laughs> How do you just wait until 
that one person who does like you right. mm-hmm. you want to set precautions so that nobody even has that chance well it's yeah. always better to be proactive than reactive right because mm-hmm. proactive has intent as opposed uh, to reactive despite, i know that there's there's some people that don't like the idea of setting a standard so that everyone has to follow it even mm-hmm. even though like we don't expect most people to um mm-hmm. But that's not what you guys asked me to talk about. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's a whole, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with your your points. I think those are really valid points about um, the differences between banning and errata in cards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I've played card games before where there were erratas, and it did get very confusing, especially the longer you play the game, because then you get further mm-hmm. removed from it. Like, if you guys had just, say, errata, um, you know, frog lashing right now, then we can probably remember it because there's only two sets, right? Set three is coming out sometime in the future, not too long, hopefully. Um, but you know, that being said, we we can still probably remember that because the card pool is small enough. But a well, year from now, who knows how many more sets we're going to have? And at that point, who who knows if you if you're just getting into the game and you track this card down, you see it online, you're like, oh man, I want that card. <laughs> oh, I buy it, and then I realize it doesn't do what I thought it did because you know I didn't know that because I'm new to the game and I just love Asui and I just want to play her cards with her face on mm-hmm. it. Yep. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. and, and there were talks. We we talked about a lot of different options. We talked about, you know, just getting rid of the ready to, uh, adding in the text of that haven't been readied. Mm-hmm. And when when we dissected it realistically, um, it was we took the route that we thought was just the best for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there might still be more work to do in the future, but. Uh, this right now, uh, we we're hoping that this will lead to better gameplay, um, especially because when we when we when we take action, the intent is not to say this character should never ever be good ever. Mm-hmm. It's there's a significant disparity in the power level, and it's creating a bad experience, um, and we want to even that out. Uh, yeah, so. And John, I don't know if you had a question. I didn't want to cut you off, but like I did have a question. You were talking about um, characters in particular. We we don't want this character to be bad. So now we've had um, a couple rounds of bannings since the game came out. Kirishima one got banned initially in the first set. You know, coordinated effort. Some of him and his tools. Well, he got eroded. Uh, yeah, yeah, he eroded. did get eroded. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. He did not get banned. Um, so uh, you just haven't seen him since then. So you know, <laughs> but. There's a couple. That. There's a couple of people playing Dex. I was gonna say. But, I mean, yeah, Church, not, Church had some uh, some some strong words about Kirishima One. He's not <laughs> very popular, but yeah. there's there's some people out there playing him. But then you then you have in this situation, it was just the support cards and not the character that people would point to, right? Most people would point to Asui One's just snapped. Why isn't she getting touched? Why do they only touch these cards and not her? So can you speak to that kind of process? Because before it was the character and some support, versus this time it's just the support, not the character. Sure. Um, so I can tell you that I'm, I'm trying to think of where to start. So let's let, let's start on okay. kind of the previous. Let's let's talk real quick then about Kirishima mm-hmm. and and coordinated effort. Um, there were a lot uh, again. Everyone knew that it was a a, a creeping problem mm-hmm. with coordinated effort, and we we were talking about that for a bit, and we tossed around some ideas, and we ended up where we did right with the. Uh, Kirishima Rada and the coordinated effort ban. Uh, a, f- a few of us had also talked. Maybe we maybe we just touch uh, coordinated effort. See where it goes. Overall, the entire team uh, working on organized play and design, we came to the conclusion that we did. However, I think we could all agree that maybe that was a bit heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The thing that we know one hundred percent for sure 
is an issue, let's touch. Um, coordinated for absolutely that card. Again, we we provided the data back then. It was in that percentage of decks that were on symbol. It mm-hmm. was majority of every deck running it was running it at 4x, despite the fact that it being a three difficulty unique foundation. Yeah, right? A three mm-hmm. diff unique so, that you were 4x is insane. We we looked at it, that card 100 percent needed to be banned. Mm-hmm. Then came the question of, do we also t- touch Kirishima and, uh, or not? We, you know, we took one route. I think that looking back, even if it ended up like we're kind of willing to eat eat our own words and and, and see, but I think that to a degree, especially because Kirishima two was not out at the time, like. Uh, banning or even effectively banning a character um, really hurts. Uh, well, uh, let me go back and say, anytime we ban a card, uh, unfortunately, that's a failure on our part. And we'll state that over and over again. That is never our intention. We don't ever want to have to touch a card. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to get sure. things right the first time. We're all human. That, you know, mistakes happen. Well, it's even if it's not a mistake, it's just you don't know. Like, there's there's no way you can simulate the meta to that degree, right? Like, you can theorize, you can craft, and you can look at and have whatever design elements you guys have. But like, I would argue, I don't think I've ever played a card game that doesn't have bands or radas or something at it some happens. point. I would yeah. say yeah, yeah, even just, even magic, just just as long as you're not hitting like Yu-Gi-Oh territory, like I think we're good, right? Like that's that's the gold standard. Just don't be Yu-Gi-Oh with banning cards. <laughs> so. Well, thanks. Um, so I think the um, and every card, especially characters, mm-hmm. every card or even every character, um, is somebody's favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, oh, that's 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 what I was gonna say, right? Like, because I, I see a lot of people saying like, "Oh, you should have just banned her. You should have just banned her." And it's like, well, I, I get that, that. That's like your gut emotional response. But like you got to think about it from the majority of people playing the game. It's going to be someone who's cracking open a pack, looking for the first time, like, oh, my God, Asui's my favorite character. I got her. And then you're like, oh, I want to go build a deck. And the first thing you look up is, oh, I can't play her. This character's banned. That's a, that feels really, really bad. Now, the counter that I've heard to a, a bit today is that Asui 2 still exists. Uh, yeah, OK. The, the problem with that is you go to play and then someone tells you, oh, you're playing the bad character. Yeah. Well, that also feels bad. Right? It like, does. So and, yeah. I do think that Asui 1 is still very, very strong and mm-hmm. might, again, as we said, might be too strong. Yeah. Um, we acknowledge that. But we don't want to recreate the the same situation that we did with Kirishima. And so we're kind of taking a measured or gradual approach with this. Hey, let's touch the things that we know are a problem. Mm -hmm. See how it evens out. If there's still action to be, you know, if we're wrong, then we'll still touch her. Maybe we'll, then we'll ban her. Um, To your point, sorry to interrupt, but to your point about, you know, that lashing and amphibious, those were showing up in more than just Asui. They were showing up in lots of different symbols. 
And those cards are Everybody. just money. Like I'm, I'm sure you guys have the data. If you pull the deck list for those symbols, most of the decks that are running those cards are running them at four X's. And mm-hmm. most of the decks that are running those symbols are running those cards as well. So to your point, it's not like the entire top 16 of any event has been all Asui or anything like that. Right. Like, like Kirishima one in set one in those first events was literally at times there was at least I mean, one of like every symbol in one of them in the top eight the or first something. provisional top four that had yeah. it was four Kirishimas and one of each symbol and i think like two goods or two voids or something yeah so like i do think there to your point there is a difference here in the amount of power of these characters as well um both are very good i don't think mm-hmm. anyone would deny that both have been very competitive the entire time they've been in the meta it's just the meta has grown and adapted and and i think that's what's about to happen as well like people can can cry for her to be banned and maybe like you said maybe it ends up being the case but in the meantime i feel like you guys hit her pretty hard like like yeah she's gonna be hamstrung and and let's talk real quick about some of the community suggested fixes to her um because i think that that leads into kind of like understanding our rationale and Mm -hmm. our so some people are saying make her twice per turn Mm -hmm. that's that's i mean that's a thought that I had as well. Like maybe you try this, see how it works or something, maybe test it and see it, see how it goes. But then when you go through a tur- uh, the, the big turns that she has mm-hmm. and we do the math, a lot of these are starting off with a crone frog, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, if you limit it to two per twice per turn at the point at which she's starting to feel any amount of change is attack five or six. Okay. Right. So let's say let's say Crone Frog. Let's say we only have one Crone Frog. Crone Frog attack attack. So we cl- you know on the th- on the third attack we clear the first. On the fourth attack we clear the second. Now on the fifth attack is the first time where we have a plus one progressive. Right. Mm-hmm. So at that point, where you're already so deep into a turn, it's not moving the needle much. Especially if it's only a a six or seven attack turn, so get plus two progressive. The needle's not actually, and you're probably if you are failing any of those checks, frog lashing or amphibious is readying it up. That's what I was so about to say. I was like, and yeah. then these cards just raid themselves anyway. So what's the point? The critical mass of low difficulty plus the re-readies from those two cards are making the twice per turn ineffective realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, what it does is it says instead of nine attacks in turn, you're playing eight. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure, yeah. Sure, that's, that's, that's still going to kill most people, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, some other people are saying make everything once per turn. Well, if you do once per turn, if somebody you know gets gets the character, doesn't have access to the promos or whatnot, that character is kind of dead. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it might be over-nerfing. It's very odd, right? Um, you don't make her playing the defense is a cool extra bonus. I do think it's very good. I don't think that's what makes that character um, unpopular <laughs> to no, a lot of no. people. It's, I guess it's the solitaire offense is I think the it, thing that people don't like. Yeah, it, it's, it's the, the right? it, it's, it's the it's, essentially it's the safety net that Amphibious and Frog Lashing created because 
obviously skilled players are going to play those cards in the best order and to the best ability, but those cards just raise the floor for everyone where it is kind of mindless. You are just playing a solitaire because like you said, oh, I checked a three because I played this out of order. Well, it doesn't matter. I've got amphibious. I'll just tap them and ready them. Or this card was frog lashing. I just ready things. It doesn't really matter anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter right. how well my opponent prepared for their defense knowing this was coming. Yeah, um, I mean, I can speak to that, to your point, John. Like, I played that exact deck at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. And I played it in one of the provisionals and I went five, one at one. And my one loss was, you know, to a, a Nomu that turned to me, right? Just he, he, he went first and he, he Banned popped Nomu. off. Right? He killed you on turn two. Yeah, he's broke. Um, And then, uh, and then I played it in the RLE and the only losses that I had um, until the very end of it were the mirror matchup where they went first. And one uh, of which, them being the eventual champion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And the other one was a win and in. As, just mm-hmm. like I was in the final Daniel round. Daniel Nelson, who is a a you know a good a very a very good player, right. top tier player. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then I I lost you know to Kirishima too, uh, playing against David. But that's neither here nor there. Point being, um, that deck I, like it just you don't it's too consistent. Like that's what that's what I, I've been trying to preach. And I think mm-hmm. you guys really honed in on what made it too consistent. You know, like like it's going to have a much harder time killing now because they're not going to have a attack that has no damage cap on it that's just going to come across for nine plus damage and mm-hmm. it's not going to be able to sit here and play offense and defense with a only a handful of foundations because amphibious is gone and it, it can't ready up you know i mean like there are many a time where i'd block commit out my amphibiouses pitch the block it's a frog kick you ready up something that can't be ready then you ready your amphibious and your whole board's ready because then you flip the one thing that wasn't to ready your character and you're like cool i have five more things back up mm-hmm. you're gonna hit me now Nah, you're not gonna hit me um, I, I will also say this is not associated with Tim. This, 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 is all, this is all me for all the haters out there. I will say, because a lot of people I think that feel like you shouldn't be able to kill people on turn two or like you shouldn't be able to do those types of things. And I will say, like, I think it is also necessary to have a character like Asui who puts that threat on the Greywall decks, right? Like that's without Asui, you're going to have like the Momo life deck that just blocks everything and you're never going to have any fun because Momo's just going to say, I deny you doing everything. Asui puts the fear in that player that like, I have to be ready that Asui, if she doesn't kill me on turn two, she's just going to grind me down so far and keep me on my back foot. I can't ever actually recover. And those characters are important in the game too. I actually, you just hit another factor in. um, And I I don't know if we spoke on this, but we think we thought that kind of, doing those limitations um like um the suggested of you know twice per turn that really what that does is that is ineffective against the early game but it would have really hindered the late game mm-hmm. being able to break through that wall right mm-hmm. um walls should exist being mm-hmm. able to play defensive really tight defensive games i love that's some of my favorite version of this game I mean, look at Keenan's Kamui Woods deck from the weekend. Like that, that was super tight defense. But no one method should be so overwhelming at mm-hmm. all points of the game. So yeah. allowing a deck like Asui to be able to scale into that late game and say, "Hey, you know, I didn't, I didn't come at you turn two. I could have, but I didn't come at you turn two. I have a whole bunch of things unflipped." And I have a lot of draw power and a lot of attacks. Okay, I don't have to just give up and 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 worry that I cannot get through your defense. I can try to crack, even if you have five or six attacks in hand, 
or, or cards in hand because I we've all been there, right? You've all been mm-hmm. at a point in the game. It's turn nine or ten. Someone has built well into deadlock, or even if they haven't, they're you know they've got their tools to survive. You know anything you can throw at them, but that ability to switch gears and go in late game, I think, is important. Definitely. Um, well, uh, there was another card that was banned, switching gears a little bit here, to Unwavering Slash. And I think this one caught a lot of people off guard, except maybe Tim Keefe, because I watched his video this morning, and he specifically mentioned Unwavering Slash. And I don't know if he might be a mind reader or some kind of warlock, but I'm watching you, Tim Keefe. I'm watching you. Um, no, literally, he's watching you. He, he, yeah, but, he's yeah, so I'm watching you. You're playing Final Fantasy 14, I think, probably on my on my Discord here. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, on, on Wavering Slash, what? Uh, explain, if you will, please. Well, and light. <laughs> so I think that plenty of people actually did have their eye on on Wavering Slash. Okay, especially, I have, my, I have my thoughts, but especially, uh, I think that it's been pretty popular on air mm-hmm. with. Um, Stadium, sports no, say stadium. The, the stadium. A lot of people slamming yeah. that into play. Uh, I was expecting more terrains to be out by now. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> that said, um, yeah, because right now you it, mentioned that because terrains they still function. It is right? a only keyword, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can only one for both players can be in play. Any correct. Side. So the idea with terrains for anyone who's not familiar is that they're actually locations where your characters are. They're represented as assets with that keyword, and only one terrain, so one asset with that keyword, can be in play at a time. So if I have stadium in play and you play something like. Um, the bathroom and maybe that's a terrain then it blows up my stadium and now we're in the bathroom fighting instead maybe ua high oh okay okay you know i, I mean never that's where we in, were in this in this my hero game i can't promise i just think that you know that's a possibility you know okay okay possibly the beach where he trains i'm not saying that that's coming mm-hmm. out but okay. that is a pot like that's a seems, viable seems idea seems crazy Seems like Seems Tim just said Universes Academy is going to be an asset in the game, guys. That's what <laughs> I just heard. I don't know. but <laughs> Well, uh, we did yeah. win a Teams event. I say we. I wasn't there. but <laughs> um, Yeah, so the value that you got off of it. Um, previously, you know, don't get me wrong. Set one uh, assets are very good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, quick creation. Earphone uh, jack. Earphone jack. Well, you can't play cape with hey. Unwearing Slash, but. Right. Well, you, no, you can't. Yeah, it doesn't. It has life, but that's Momo. So, like, it, it's it's very good to get you that tool that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the other thing is it, it it's very good at circumventing having to play cards. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, bringing cards in is not one hundred percent off the table, but doing it for effectively free is kind of nuts. Yeah, because I mean, the, it, it has like a, a discard cost, but if you wanted to, you could even just discard the asset, right, and then and then play it. Um, yeah. And we 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 were kind of talking about this amongst ourselves, trying to figure it out, like because like assets are like a really kind of hard, hard card type to figure out, right? Because like I don't want to put too many of them in because I, I can't tap them for foundations, I can't really play them like actions or attacks, but they have really really powerful effects, and that's kind of like the trade off, right? And then some being people, able to to ignore the actually playing it and building it. Yeah, some people absolutely hate green cards, as they'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I I love all the different card types. 
Um, but yeah, being able to effectively just put one into play rather than having had to play mm-hmm. it and wait until you know the next turn to really get used out of it. But you know, I've already kind of in my in my teaser, I kind of already let everyone know that there's three more terrains coming out, and there's maybe some other assets. Um, but we have even even past that, we have some really fun stuff coming out, mm-hmm. and I think that like letting unwavering interact with those cards is just going to be a bit much. Okay. Because I'm not going to lie to you, Tim, this one caught me completely off guard. And John and Ryan and I have talked about this some throughout the day. And uh, I think I am, I am in the, the maybe vocal, I don't know, maybe not vocal minority that I, this is the one that I didn't get. You know, like um, I feel like the card, it, you discard one to build it in. You're pitching a card to, to build something in. Okay, I don't think that's that's broken. Um, but then like it does cheat, to your point, cheats making checks. Um I feel like the card is a five diff utility card pretty much, right? Like that's what it actually does because it's, it's making your deck more consistent by getting you those assets that you're probably building around, right? Your, your headphone jacks, your stadiums or your quick creations currently clearly, you know, far more than I do as far as what's coming down the pipe. So I have better vision there. Um, so I, I defer to that extent, but for what it is currently, like it's a four, four or five diff attacking. Yeah. It has powerful and sure it can ready a card and draw you a card so it's all utility stuff there, right? Like, the, like it, it's, it is, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Until, I cut it from decks all the time, I guess is what I'm saying. And like, until it gets played on an eight and it's a nine, nine. Sure. We play a zero. Sure. Yeah. But, but that's a, whatever. But, but no, you actually, <laughs> that's the other thing is that it's yeah. double utility. It's, it's mm-hmm. not just building you something in. It's mm-hmm. also drawing a card. It's also readying a foundation. So but it, it just can only do those things conditionally, right? Like it has to have that asset. But that's, but that's the whole but point, though, is, is you're discarding, know, is, is you're getting the asset. <laughs> I guess also, uh, for, I guess uh, one thing for me is, like, is, is it denies your opponent really an ability to interact with you playing the asset, right? Like, it's like, oh, they played it on their turn. Now I know, like, I've got this uh, wire arrow that I need to hold so I can flip it and get it out of here, like, on my turn. And I get a chance to stop it before it comes at me. And, like, if, if there are really powerful assets coming out, then, like, I totally understand that. Yeah, it just, it, it was, it was a package. So, I think um, someone else on the team has a saying, I, I hope I don't butcher it. It's, it's solving its own, uh, it, it's, it's, it's providing the answer to its own problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, especially, it, you know, it's, Hey, you need an asset to draw a card and ready a foundation. Well, so it, it presents a problem. Say, hey, mm-hmm. have this thing and you'll get a bonus. But on the yeah. other half of it, it lets you have that thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even it, further, it converts any one card into that thing, right? Yeah. Yep. That's that's fair. Um, I hadn't really looked at it that way, to your point. Like it doesn't actually have a gate behind it because it it opens the gate effectively. Yeah. Yeah, um, but to John's point, just to, just or to the advocate, is a little bit different, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. learning the standards is a very real card, and learning the standards still deals with this issue. Um, sure. So to your point about like you don't, you don't have to hold on to a wire, like you could your your rival can also sit down across from learning the standards and be like, I can't deal with that. So if I use this, this just flips face down, and I'm sad now. You know, um, I love I love the te- I love the teacher Matt is always on. He's always. On <laughs> I mean, duty. that's that's. That's that's I one card on on three symbols. I mean, like I I, I get it. But, also, but I will it's say one card on three symbols, John. <laughs> like, I, yes, but it can pull back infinity symbol cards too, which we've already seen assets with infinity symbol. 
Yeah. I will also say I love assets. My favorite deck ever was, was Death Adon, and I loved me some Legendary Blade. Oh my god, card was great. Yeah, I am in the other camp. So it's, the irony here is that I actually am, am one of those people I don't really love assets. Like I'll <laughs> run them in a deck if I have to. The other further irony there is that my card was an asset, so I ran it. <laughs> but um, I definitely love having like asset answers because mm-hmm. decks that normally run assets really rely on them like they really want that asset to put them over the top to really accelerate their game plan because to your point they are strong effects um so i like to have options within my deck to deny my rival that thing they really want if i can do that so things like learning the standards are attract me more than a card like unwavering slash if that makes sense like i'd rather have mm-hmm. the card that says you. no you can't do that thing rather the card that says give me that thing right now <laughs> so um that's just me as a player that doesn't make it right or wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I um, I was just curious because I was like, it does say when it builds, right? And it still mm-hmm. builds in, so. Um. See, I love assets too. And I think going back to to the day, I think for me, the perfect asset was Kien. The, yeah. The Bishamon uh, one? Yeah, the one from uh, yeah. Warriors of the Night. It's K-I-E-N for you, John. It's... Uh, it was a 2-6 plus 2 high block breaker 1 weapon that mm-hmm. after, respond after you play a weapon, it gets stun 1, playable while committed. It was playable mm-hmm. while committed because Bishamon could commit uh, assets to pass checks. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, he could pass 1. Uh, he, he's, not, he's not stupid Ash. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. If, if, um, if Ryan were here, he would tell us that we're all, we're all bad and the Yoshimitsu asset is the best asset ever. The original, like the 5-2 the or whatever that you just, yeah. you commit to make your opponent discard X cards <laughs> or yeah. something or commit foundations. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> you would hit it on a yeah. reversal. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, uh, what was it? I it's just called exactly. Yoshimitsu because it's also the name of his sword. Uh, um, but I, I think you, I think essentially you could do it on your opponent's turn where you could just, where you could discard X cards and they would have to discard X cards or they would have to commit right. X foundations. Yeah, and they're like, okay, it now it's my turn and you have no hand or foundations. Sounds fun, right? Winning. Viewers, don't worry. We're done with the boomer talk. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we're done. We're done. I'm sorry. Back uh, to the present. Okay. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We're done. Uh, I guess, um, also, I, I, you may have touched on this a little bit, but as far as like banning unwavering slash, like kind of how like having that card exist also kind of like any kind of set in the future you have to think about like with these symbols right like is this going to be an issue do we have to undertune this card because unwavering slash exists and it's like should we fix all an infinite number of potential cards that exist or should we just get rid of this one is yeah. that kind of like the equation like is that like how does how does that factor into it yeah it's so we always just try to make a card the best version of and by best, I mean, like, actually, not not like the spikiest, but, like, just the best version of the card that it can be. Yeah. And that means sometimes we have to do high difficulty or a high a high check value. Um, and so it was, oh, man, we really want to make this card, but unwavering is going to be really, really <laughs> insane with it. Uh, maybe let's wait and see. Let's do this. So part of determining those things that um about those cards uh we just felt it was necessary to undo potentially maybe an uh, ability like what unwavering can do with assets is okay Mm -hmm. um but the low cost and low input to that was not acceptable so it would have to be uh better balanced better thought out 
Yeah. Do you yeah. think something, and it's just me being curious um, while, while I got your ear, do you think something like if it, if Unwavering built it in committed, do you still think Unwavering would need to go then? Or do you think something like that might be enough for that kind of effect to not be out of control? We'd have to look at it and and whatnot. I, I know we've kind of done some thought uh, thought experiments, but uh, I, I don't want to give people too many hopes. But, you know, <laughs> fair, yeah, fair. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to, like, say, oh, Tim talked about this on there, so this might be a thing that can come back. But, I mean, like, maybe maybe committed, maybe a, um, a number of momentum would be at a proper cost. Something just so that it's not, like, easy mode turn two. I so just... I discard up to a 10 yeah. difficulty asset. If we ever make one of those, we Ooh. haven't don't, <laughs> we have not, don't worry about that. But like, Oh, I'll, you know, get rid of this 10 mm-hmm. difficulty card and just build it right in. And because yeah. it's 10 diff, it has to be insane. Right. So, yeah. Right. Um, so the fact that it was easy on turn two, uh can bring in anything uh, regardless of cost. You get it immediately. Just the discard cost wasn't, appropriate and so who knows maybe we'll do something in a similar shape but it probably it will not look uh exactly like what unwavering slash is fair enough very cool very cool there you have it guys that is the insight to the bands right yes there you go um if you guys want to stick around we're gonna take a short little break and we're gonna come back and like we said we're gonna talk about a few previews with tim so stick around guys we'll be right back Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Universe Academy podcast. Uh, still here chatting with Tim, uh, lead designer from uh, Jasco Games. We are going to have a little bit of a change of pace here from talking about the banned cards. We're going to talk about upcoming cards, some previews. Super uh, not banned cards. Super not banned cards yet. Uh, and we're going to talk about three characters. We each decided to pick one from the new previews. Uh, and I believe Matt is going to talk to us first about Stain. Yeah, so Stain 2 is coming out in set 3, and this character looks awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. He is 720. Um, He is evil, order, and void, so a little bit of a shake-up for his symbols. Um, And then he has two abilities. The first one is form once per turn. Um, Your next weapon attack gets plus 3 speed. After it resolves, remove it from the game and draw a card. And then he has a response that's also once per turn. After your weapon attack deals damage commit and freeze one rival foundation this dude seems awesome um very before i geek out on this um, it does have the reminder text on it so mm-hmm. freeze is a uh, keyword ability um and what it does is it just a keyword it's not even a keyword it is just a uh phrased uh, it's a term it, oh, it's, it's like build it's yeah. just like so, an effect okay, yeah. yeah so, so it's, 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 a, it's a term that's shorthand for other texts Okay, sorry. Thank you. Um, so, freeze is a frozen card does not ready during its owner's next ready step. So, like they can do things during their combat phase to ready it, but naturally during the ready, mm-hmm. it doesn't ready. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, what this guy's going to be doing then is, like, I'm just excited for the potential of like combo stuff with this guy because the uh, weapon package has a whole bunch of random combos. Um, as we've seen, whether it's off of Void with all the new Eraserhead stuff and the old Eraserhead stuff, or whether it's off Evil with his set, um, set two cards for Stain, uh, there's lots of cool combos there. So, like, this guy's going to be able to play those cards. Like, he can form before it, play one, get, get, comes in with plus three speed, so it's more uh, difficult for your rival to block and, and more intimidating. And then, whether they block it or not, it's going to remove from the game, you're going to draw a card, and then you can play something off that combo again. 
Like mm-hmm. that just seems super cool to me. Um, and then even further, he's also going to just deal with one card um, of his choice anytime that they take damage from his stuff. Um, and Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is after your attack deals damage. Would that trigger off of any of, the, of his other just you take a damage kind of effects? Like something like a jolt, for example. Could he jolt someone and then tr- and then freeze it? If jolt were a weapon, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. If, all right, I'll just yeah. clarify. Yeah, as far as the, the text. Anything that's damaged, absolutely. If it's a, if you know, if if it's completely blocked, they lose a fight. Uh, sorry, they lose a health. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then no, that would not do it. But if right. it's it still deals one damage, yes. Yeah. All right. Sweet. So, um, can you kind of speak to? Uh, the design because this is pretty different from the previous version like it's still similar in that way he adds some speed to his weapon stuff and he's still thematically on weapons uh, but like past that he's he's almost completely different right he's not hacking cc checks um and he's not making them bleed necessarily um, yeah. so can you kind of uh, i guess explain the 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 reapproach here to stain so again you know we went into set uh three design saying you know we like stain we still we want to do a little bit different of a take on him. Um, some people originally had thought he should be a seventh hander um, with the abilities that we ended up doing on the first one. Uh, it, we did not want to give him seven hand size. Um, mm-hmm. but this was this was hey let's let's make instead of a controlly stain, um, which again we thought hey uh, uh, first first time tackling stain hey you know this guy is a control deck right because he 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 sets you in place you can't move your body that sounds like control mm-hmm. um and so for us that was really important to go with control for the first one uh for the second one we're like well yeah but he's just also a badass like ninja samurai street fighter like not the game character yeah. and uh <laughs> And, you know, we just, what about a really cool aggro uh, stain? So, you know, like, we we like taking inspiration from the past. Mm-hmm. And so, oh my gosh, sorry. Um, like inspira- taking inspiration from the past. So, um, you know, kind of thought to start, you know, what, what who's another awesome sword-wielding character. Kind of got some inspiration, as you can see. Looks very similar to an old ninja in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really felt like it made sense for him, where it's a really strong aggression. Um, and what we did was we slightly changed it, since this character doesn't have the air symbol uh, with evil, uh, rather than discard the card, it removes from the card pool. So he's paying a cost. He doesn't get to do this infinitely, even if he cycles. You know, mm-hmm. Every time he does his form, uh, even if the game potentially goes long, he's losing an attack every single time he does that. Right. Um, to me, so, that's kind of cool because to me, like it seems like this stain is almost capturing that after he's been defeated, but he's just like still not willing to go down, and he's like just that savage kind of brute version of himself there at the end where his heart eventually gives out and he like falls over. He's not dead, by the way. They have confirmed he did not die in that scene, uh, boy, but it's not a spoiler. It, it, they take him away. Like he's still alive when they take him away. And I think they even throw away a line saying that his heart I think they do. Yeah. But I thought he died the first time I watched it. But point being, that's what this feels like. Was that kind of what the, the objective was to try to capture that version of him? Yeah, yeah. It's that more savage aspect to him. Yeah. And then but but maintaining a little bit of that tactician where, you know, hey, I hit you, 
that's that's him using his quirk. That's the blood curdle. It's, I drew blood. Now, part of you, at least, is frozen in place. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm really excited for this character. I um I love seven hand size aggro decks anyway, so uh, this is right up my alley. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. I'm definitely gonna be exploring this character. Nice. Um. Uh. I am really excited by the uh, principal of UA Academy, uh, Nezu. Um, so Nezu was previewed recently. Nezu is a uh, 626. He's all chaos order. Uh, response, after your rival draws one or more cards during the combat phase due to a non-character effect, draw one card, enhance once per turn, discard one card, add one card from your discard pile to your hand with difficulty matching the discarded card, and we have enhance once per game, look at your rival's hand. Um, I love the idea of this character i think it's really cool especially like i keep we were just talking about it last night in our discord i keep looking at chaos decks and i'm like man but card draw is such a crutch for me i want to have all my decks have card draw and chaos kind of had they had it has more like card recursion than like just straight card draw per se but i love this because it's a lot of people do complain like oh well my character my opponent just keeps drawing cards and it's like well now here you if that bugs you, here's Nezu. And you can say, like, oh, you want to keep drawing cards? I get to draw a bunch of cards now, too. Um, and just, like, the 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 uh, adaptability, the malleability of the uh, discard one card to pull back something. It's like, oh, he has blood curdle symbols. Uh, blood curdle sure is a four-difficulty card. I can pitch this blood curdle, pull back an attack, because I don't need blood curdle, because I don't care about your character or whatever. And like, that's just, just that, once per turn. That's once per your turn. Your turn and theirs. That's crazy mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Or... Or, oh, you played this uh, high block or this high attack. Well, this is a low block. I'm going to pitch it out. Get a high block. All right, we're good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I love that type of design. And then, obviously, the once per game, like, also, go ahead and uh, open it up. Let me see what you got. Let's see what, let me see what you're working with over here. So I can then discard this card I don't know, I don't need, because you can definitely block it and pull back mm-hmm. an attack you can't block. Right. So, John, I just got to ask, do you know Principal Nezu's actual quirk in the show? I, I don't. Uh, I we're almost toward the end of season five, and he, they may have said it at some point. They I do. don't remember. It's um, like in season two, around like the back half of season I, two or so. It's it's um, like when he like because he comes out in like the giant thing and he's like wrecking stuff or whatever. I mm-hmm. think they when the president Mike does his little rundown, but I can't remember what it yeah. is. Tim, tell us what it is because there's a really cool the, the reason he has that final ability. I feel like is exclusively because of his quirk. So, Mister Principal or Nezu is uh, his quirk is high specs. Uh, and that just means he is actually just a rat mm-hmm. that is really smart and really like he's just if he were an RPG character, like if you're D and D, all the stats would be twenty. Okay, like yeah, he, he's like the most intelligent. I want to say like being effectively right, like his his IQ is like off the charts. Again, I, I, he is an actual rat that yes. just has high stats. <laughs> I, I wondered about that because obviously they do have like the anthropomorphic quirks. Mm-hmm. Obviously you have the, the lizard spinner, I think um, like mm-hmm. that. I think that's his quirk is just like being in the reptile guy. Or they have a lot of ones like yeah. that. He is a gecko. Yeah, yeah. A gecko. Okay. Thank you. Well, he, He's a person, but his quirk yes. is a gecko. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like they have the associated abilities with that animal, but with Nezu, it didn't really seem like that was like his thing. He seemed different than them. So that is very oh. cool that he's just, he's master splinter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just super smart. 
So that's Very why cool. you can look at their hand and know exactly what they're doing. Cause that's the point of that scene, right? Cause mm-hmm. he's basically one step ahead of him. He, he figured out exactly what they were trying to do. He's like, Oh, then I do this. Boop. Mm-hmm. Oh, then I do this. Boop. He's Mr. Splinter from the 1990s movie, not from the yes. cartoon. Yes. Fair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this guy's great. I love Nezu. He, he's, yeah. he's hilarious in the show. I love that demented aspect to him, but he's also I, I, really cool as the principal. I was just gonna say, I, I, I like, I need a card of him, like the, the one where he's like drinking the tea and like laughing like maniacally. Yeah. Like, I, I need that as a card at some point. That's very funny. Gosh, uh, that would be yeah. amazing. I hope to do something similar to that sometime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so you want to know about this guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what was what was the thought process? Like, how did you land on like kind of these abilities? Because I get the sense, especially the response, like that feels like something that is really unfair. Uh, like on its face, but I feel like in practice, it's probably a lot more balanced than people think it's going to be. Yeah. So um, again, when when we look at a character, we try to dissect like who they are. So what what are like the most important aspects to who Nezu is? Well, he's the principal, right? Which means he's in charge of all the students. Uh, he has to see their well beings, but you know he should be able to be a step ahead of them. You know mm-hmm. he is. An educator. Um, on top of that, he has these high specs, and he always has a master plan. Like you see um, in the was it the the final uh, the final exam arc um, against Mina and Kaminari. His whole thing is he's able to kind of like guess the route they're going to go, and he destroys the buildings to force them to go a certain way. He has a master plan. He's going to make you do kind of what he wants. Um, and that is kind of like the feel that all three of these abilities get you to the, the, the once per game that's, Hey, you know, again, I can see through what you're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to adjust to that. Um, the turning one card into another, that's how he's able to adjust. He's like, Oh, I looked, you know, I, I, Oh, wait, you are the you know this is your game plan. Oh well, let's get rid of this and bring up a different tool, a better tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like yeah, oh you think you you think you're special because you are able to draw a card? No, me too. Why not? I, yeah, I can do that too. Yeah. Uh, and um, I will say I think I think uh, some people are gonna probably overvaluate the response. It is very cool and very mm-hmm. strong. Um, yeah. and it's very fun like that's the thing is in testing this guy was just a ton of fun um there are some ways to force your rival to draw a card but it's just like well you know oh you need another attack maybe i'll get another block right definitely yeah because you can like there's like was it in the new indiscriminate shock it forces them to discard and draw a card or uh recipro acceleration kick forces them to draw a card which then you can then respond to draw a card as well and then if you look at the symbols, the, the reason the choosing that, um, you know, all a lot of people will say all is the draw symbol. A lot of symbols are the draw symbol, but it definitely is kind of like a he's he's basic. He's he's just really high stats. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like the, the inspiration for the all. Um and then chaos, he's like maniacal, right? But also <laughs> then he's orderly. He he runs the institution that has trained Japan's heroes. For years, mm-hmm. so that's where the order comes in. 
Very cool. The irony there is saying that he's high stats. I think the only thing I don't like about this character is his stats. Um, <laughs> 626 is really painfully average. That's pretty rough. But, but that being said, given his reason, abilities, though. I understand why he's a 626. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he were like a 628, this guy could be getting a little buck wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, might not be fun. Might be a little too good then. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so that's Nezu. And lastly, Tim, uh, I believe there's one you want to talk to us about. It's one we talked about previously, but this is this is a card you, you were really excited for in the new set, this character. I'm very happy to uh, that um, we're able to experiment a little bit in this set. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Mezo, Mezo Shoji, very cool character, um, counters. Uh, I really wanted to experiment something like counters. And I'll tell you, this is me being a um, a blatant plagiarizer. I came up with the initial idea for this character uh, from a Heroclix figure oh. that I, I, I actually went to an event with and played wrong for three of the five rounds I played <laughs> because I did not read the card. Uh, but that was, a, that, was, that was a Dr. Octopus uh, Heroclix figure. Uh. And it inspired me. Um, I think that we, you know, we're breaking new ground with the game right now, and part of that is expanding kind of our comfort zone. So I really, really wanted to um, experiment with something like a character that dealt with counters. Um, you know, I play lots of different games. Uh, I play Runeterra. I play Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering is the reason I play card games. I started at nine years old with with beta. So... Um, you know, only you I still had those cards. Oh, oh, I, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I've never, pl- I've never played Yu-Gi-Oh, but I've played a lot of, you know, Pokemon, all those different things, and a lot of games deal with counters. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have a way to track things that are not just dice. Um, so I really wanted to try out a character that was based around a counter system. And I know that there were some funky things back in the old day of UFS um, that some of them didn't even work correctly or whatnot. Or if they did, they were super difficult to navigate. Um, I wanted something that was more approachable and friendly. So when you look at uh, his ability to just start with four every turn, uh, that that was kind of like the other um, concession is, okay, realistically... What this is saying is I have a variety of different enhances. Some of them might only be once per turn. Some some of them I could um, you know, maybe do four times per turn. The idea is that it's a toolbox of options mm-hmm. that uh, I have a limited pool of points to use for. And so obviously counters is the best way to do that in a card game. Um, and I just thought... You know, cause cause that's that's like his character in the show, right? He is just he can do a billion different things. He can what do you need right now? Oh, he can make an eyeball to see farther. Uh, you know, he needs uh wings. He can make himself wings and fly or or glide, but like he has so many different options, but he can't do a, all of them all the time. Uh so that was kind of like really like the inspiration for that character okay i when i first saw him you talking about magic he he reminded me of like a mix of like umazawa's jit and a planeswalker kind of because sure. like 
like like I think Jit didn't like keep refreshing tokens, but it, it came in like it had like two or three different like really strong unique like abilities, but you only got X amount of like resources to use them. And it's about like picking when to use those kind of things. And so I I really like this character. I think he's really neat. Um, yeah, I think I think he'll add a nice ripple to uh yeah, the people's like you're saying, like having those choices, right? Like granted you have to just find an attack, but as long as you're finding an attack, then you have all these cool options. Like honestly, I think the minus one is probably the coolest one. Like peeking just to know your next check so you can plan out your turn. Like that mm-hmm. seems really cool. Um, but you know, like let's say you don't see that attack. All right, cool. Well, I have this minus four that just says that now whenever I block your thing, I don't take damage. Like he has amphibious on his face. Oh, walking. Um, or walking, we had, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Phidiophobia is what I was going, sorry. We, uh, <laughs> we went through a bunch of different versions of the character. Um, at like one point, it, you know, he also had uh, plus or minus damage. At one mm-hmm. point, I think the speed was one counter and the look at the top was two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I, we, you know, when coming through with it, uh, I don't think we initially had a three a three cost one, but we thought it was you know trying to find those those like um meaningless things to have some sort of uh sense of meaning on them. So we we ended up with the one two three four, and the costs on that are I think uh reflected appropriately too. So we ended mm-hmm. up with a nice like a nice end result, and I. I really hope people dig into this character because I think there's a lot of cool things you can do with him. Uh, it will take some time. He's not going to have immediate success. Yeah. But if you if you give Shoji enough time, I really think he'll prove uh, to be able to, like, I think this character can do stuff. So He, yeah, he, he seems kind of toolboxy, kind of like Momo is, yeah. in a totally different way, but, like, same sort of, like, gameplay um, style right where you're like hey i have all these options i have to make the best choice each turn and that sort of thing which he shares life with her so you know that's kind of cool um mm-hmm. but yeah sorry john didn't interrupt you oh no it's fine i was actually going to reference momo as well like, he strikes me as kind of like a set one momo where it's like this character is really cool and strong enough right now but i think is only going to get like as the card pool expands then you're really going to see them shine because then you're really going to be able to have like, oh, like this card really suits this, like the two counter one or like the three counter one. Like that's it. I I think he's just going to get a lot better as more cards. come. I mean, there's a lot of characters like that, but I especially him. Maybe there'll be a proliferate mechanic at some point. Then he's going to get buck wild. (laughs) Oh, wait now. Or other cards that just interact with generic counters. And then I am also (laughs) excited to see the things people are going to 3D print to use four counters for Shoji. That's going to be exciting, too. Because you know someone's going to like show up with the arms, right? It's just going to be the arms, arms right? or the counters. Or, yeah. yeah, Or, or something sure. weird like that. And it's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, well, Tim, yeah. thank you so much for joining us for this yeah. episode and taking some time out of your busy day. My, my pleasure. I love hanging out with you guys. So, Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And, um, uh-huh. you know, like I, I, I know if nothing else, if no one else values what you did, I appreciate the insight <laughs> um, for that you provided and, and the detailed and the explanation for the bands. Um, hopefully others will as well. Um, mm-hmm. Guys, if, if you're listening and you've made it to this point in the episode, make sure that you like and subscribe and do all the YouTube and social media things. Um, leave us comments below. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us all the things we should have asked him that we forgot to all those sorts of things. Um, and maybe maybe we'll, we'll be lucky one day and, and the UFS uh, or the My Hero Gods will, will smile upon us again and we'll get him back on here and maybe we can ask him those questions then. Very true, very true. Wait, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. 
Uh, well, yeah, Tim, like Matt said, we, we appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, your insight to the community. And like, like we said, guys, Asui is untouched right now, the character itself, but they're still, they're still keeping an eye on her. They're not, they're not, they're not letting her go. So she's not out of the woods yet. And Tim, if you really want to get her banned, you have to come up with the most broken version of the deck now. <laughs> and, and play it over and over again and win, and win tournaments with it. So that's, that's right. your new mission, guys. Right. And, uh. and I don't care what nobody says, Tim. <laughs> you good people. You keep doing what you're doing. You guys are doing a great job. And we love playing the game. So thank you very much. Yep. Well, All thank right. you very much. Have a great week, guys. We appreciate you listening. See you guys. Bye.